Greetings, church. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Welcome to all that are here present in the, in the house and all that are online watching with us tonight, whether you're viewing this moment or whether you're going to tune in later. Welcome. We're grateful to have you with us. The theme for our spiritual journey this uh, week has been the glorious church. And uh, I got the opportunity to share something on Tuesday. And what I've learned is that when there's a, a, a scripture that just like digs at you, you've got to continue to stay with it. And so I'm going to read uh, that one, one scripture that I shared on Tuesday and, um, and share something in addition to what I did then. So I'm in the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. Even the mystery, which have been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We've been made to share in God's glory. God wishes to share that glory with all. The hope of glory, the mystery that is in these two scriptures, that's described in these two scriptures, is Christ in us. Christ in you individually. Christ in us collectively. The Lord wants to be able to dwell here. Christ dwells in his believers. Christ dwells in you. The indwelling is the hope. The hope is like a pledge, like he's promised it, that you can have it and take part in it. The abiding presence of Christ in us is an interesting phenomenon. And as I rode home from work tonight, I was, how do I speak that? And so this is what the Lord placed in my head. When we cook beans, we soak them in water. We soak them in the pot in water so that we can soften the shells. When we make soup, we take the vegetables and we place seasoning in there. And the simmering of the vegetables causes the seasonings to saturate the vegetables and create that taste. Those of us that like meat, put it on the grill. We take that meat and we sometimes we rub it, sometimes we cover it with oils and vinegars and things and we soften and tenderize it, but we let it marinate. When the Lord is in us, when he's dwelling with us, when he's infilling us, he's marinating us for what he has to share in that glory, to share in what he's promised us. The mystery the story that was created, that was revealed when Christ arrived, is that that glory is available to the Jews and the Gentiles both. And that the hope of glory is that he it wants us to participate in that with him. I'd like you to pray along with me tonight. We've been talking about discipleship. We've been talking about what our Lord's expectations is for us. 
Who has a prayer request tonight? Raise your hand. If you are, the house is filled, those of you that aren't in the house tonight, the house is filled with those who are requesting prayer. Prayers for others and prayers for ourselves. Prayers that we can get to that place where we can truly participate in that glory. Join me. Stand with me, please, and let us pray. Almighty Father, you are the Lord God Almighty. Almighty God, you are the truth and the life and the way, Lord. We are so grateful, Father God, that you meet us, Lord God. We are so grateful, Lord, that you will fill us, Lord God. We are so grateful, Father God, that you take a presence inside us, Lord God, in the way that you do, Father God. You, Lord God, created all that is. Every single thing that exists, Lord God, was by your design. You assembled nothing, Lord God, and you made it into substance, Father God. You aligned the planets, Father God. You allowed us, Lord God, to be planted and placed right here where we are, Lord God, inside of the universe, Lord, that you, Father, laid out, Lord God. You knew, Father, that this is how the creation plan would unfold, Lord God. You've allowed us, Lord God, to take place and take part in it, Father God. Continue, Lord God, the work that you have at hand, Lord. You've called us to take part in this ministry, Father. You have, Lord God, guided us from where we were. You've led us, Lord God. You've allowed us, Lord God, to take part. And we now, Lord God, are the, the members, Lord God, of the ministry for this mission field, Lord. We ask, Lord God, that you will let us, Father, simmer, Lord God, with you inside us, Lord, that you will allow us, Lord God, to be softened, Lord, to be tenderized, Lord God, for the work that you have for us to perform, Lord. We are so grateful, Lord God, that you would lead us and, and, and guide us, Lord God, to be that lamp unto our feet. We are so grateful, Lord Jesus, that you would, Father, grow us inside of the ministry that is Christ-centered church, that we can take, Lord God, that place inside of the community, Lord God, that you have for us, Lord that we can be a blessing, Lord God, that we can go forward, Lord, each day, Lord God, and be that entity that you've called us to be. You've designed the tapestry, Lord God, that is Christ-centered church, to be the image, Lord God, here inside of this community that you've called us to be. We are grateful, Lord God, for your goodness. We are grateful for your love. You saw the hands that were raised, Lord God. You know the hearts of all, Lord God, who've called out to you. Fill us this moment, Lord God, with your healing touch, Lord God. Let those who are concerned, Lord God, be put to comfort, Lord God. Those, Father God, who are looking and seeking and searching, Lord God, that you would allow them, Lord God, to see your presence in all of the tribulations that are taking place, Lord God. That you would, Father, manifest yourself in the blessings, Lord God, that you have for each one of us, Lord God. We are grateful, Father God. We pray these things, Lord God, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Oh, that Savior, Lord, that stepped upon this earth and walked with us, Father. The one who demonstrated, Father God, for what is a rightful and righteous place to be here, Lord God, on this earth. We pray these things by the power that is found in your scripture, Lord God. By the authority, Lord God, that is found, Lord God, in your presence. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
seek the goodness of the Lord tonight. Amen. So good to be in the house of the Lord one more time. Amen. God has been good to us, better to us than we can ever imagine. We say it all the time, God is good, but I shake my head and say he's so good we have no clue. He is so good that we have no clue. I was talking to my manager today, and um, he always talks about as you get older, um, sin shouldn't affect you as much as when you're younger. And that's what we were talking about today because most of the times when we commit sin, it's because the flesh is so alive and active, and the flesh is selfish and want what it wants. And so as we begin to age, the flesh begins to die. And so you know how when we are alive and well, we fast to kill the flesh. But when we get older, the flesh dies on its own because we're getting older. And so we're able to, hopefully, uh, not have such a great battle with sin physically at least, than we would any other time in our life when we're younger. The interesting thing that he made me think of to now reflect on the goodness of God is remember the scripture says, then they took of the fruit and then they ate. And been around some great men of God that have studied that passage of scripture real in depth. And when they ate the fruit... They damage a gene that was not supposed, that was the gene that was going to prevent us from aging. And when they ate the fruit, that gene got damaged and it started aging. Therefore, we started aging. Here's the point. God is so incredibly good to us that as long as we had lived righteous in the garden without sinning, we could live in righteousness all of our life. But you know how he made provision at the cross. He had made provision in the garden that we didn't even know about. And that provision was when that gene got ruined and you started aging, that was a good thing. Because if you never started aging, once you sinned, you was going to live in sin for the rest of eternity. And you couldn't die, and you would just be in your sin forever. And when we're in our sin, we're separated from God. So by us dying, well, started the process physically of dying, guess what? We didn't remain in our sin forever because we would have to die one day. And in the process, we, will have, the, we would have the opportunity to get ourselves right with God again. But if he didn't do that, once we had sinned, we couldn't have got right again because we would be living 
in sin and never, ever dying. So God has made provision for us in so many ways other than the ways that we think about it. Calvary and when he blesses us is so much deeper than that. And that's how good God is. So when we say God is good, just remind yourself, better than I even understand. I know I'm saying he's good and he is good, but he is so good that I don't even comprehend how good God is. And so we thank him for it. Here is something I want to share with you as we get into the word of God tonight. We've been talking about if you study scripture, it teaches us that there's one church and what we believe makes us apostolic Pentecostals. Uh, some people become a little uncomfortable. Even if you don't want to call yourself an apostolic Pentecostal, you're going to have to live your life as a Christian according to that. And that's the only way you're going to make it to heaven no other way. I'll show it to you in a second. But here is something I feel strongly impressed in my spirit before I came up here to say to you. Some of what I'm teaching from last week and tonight, a lot of us did not know it. And a lot of people still don't know it. And what happens is when we don't know things, we just tend to stay away from it. And many of us are struggling in our Christian walk because we don't know certain things. Because everything about God has a connection. So once you start down the road with God, you, nothing is just done in a nutshell. Everything is connected, but to get to the next step, you have to do this step. And to get to the next step, you have to do this step. And so what happens is some of us have started out not even on good, solid foundation. We kind of just started out by doing what people have told us the Bible says. And we have read it a little bit and said, okay, I can see what they're saying. But we really haven't grasped it and owned it and obeyed it for ourselves. And remember what I said last week? There are people that started out this way and didn't continue. Well, they didn't continue because they never really understood this. And there are some that started out with this and they started what we, the Bible calls draw back. Again, because you didn't have a real understanding of this. And so what I want to tell you tonight is once you get a grasp of this, an understanding of this, and you start practicing this, this needs to make you look into some other things about God. And so we have kind of just limit ourselves in what God has for us. And what do I mean by limit ourselves to what God has for us? Because we just stopped at a certain place. Or because we put so much emphasis on we need to be saved. And so most people when they hear, I repented of my sins, I got baptized in Jesus' name, and I'm filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, I talk in tongues. Right then and there we say, well, I'm saved. And we kind of deal with the peripheral things after that, but we never get into deeper doctrine. We just deal with the periphery stuff and feel like, well, I'm saved. And all of us should know by now that none of us are saved until we're raptured out of here or until we raise from the grave and be caught up together in the air to meet him. So nobody's really saved. We can live a saved life. 
But we've known Judas and others started out living a saved life, but then we find ourselves not saved. And most of the times we find ourselves not saved either because we didn't get the proper teaching and instructions in the word of God to begin with. And then even if we did, we didn't continue to learn more of what's written in scripture. And so what I'm going to encourage you to do tonight after we get through this foundational stuff again, I would like for you to begin to reach deeper depths in the word of God, to to begin to seek out more of God's instructions, more of his teaching, and not just stay where you are, because if you stay where you are, you can't learn more. I have this written in my notes, but let let me just say this real quick. Uh, How do we really know the word of God is true? How do we know anything is true? How do we know anything is true? Just across the board. So whether it's the word of God or what science says or anything, how do we know it's true? Because it's been tested. And so we want to say God is truth. We know he is. But did we test him? And if we don't test him, then we're like everything else. I don't really know. Why don't you know? You haven't tested him. You got to test it first and see what the results are to know if it's true. So whether that's science, whether that's just, you know, things that we design, you have to test it first. When, when the car dealers are selling you a car that they're guaranteeing that it's a good car, what do they do? Don't they test it? They tell you, they put crash dummies in it and let it crash in the wall and they guarantee you if that car crashed, only certain things are going to happen. They tested it. That's why they can sell it and say, I guarantee. Well, we got to test this. And we're not testing this like we need to. We got to start testing this stuff. And that's how we know this is truth. And we can't just stop it being saved. Remember, I've said it all the time and you've heard me say this many times. If all the Lord Jesus Christ wanted you to be was saved, the day you got saved, you would have ascended to heaven like Jesus ascended to heaven. So because we didn't ascend to heaven, it simply means that's not all Jesus had in store for us, was for us to be saved. Father, we thank you for your word tonight and for this privilege to delve into the word and to rightly divide the word and to receive truth. I pray, Father, that you will speak to us. We open our heart to you, and we want you to impart your truth. And as you impart your truth, will you give us understanding? As you impart your truth, Lord God, will you give us wisdom to apply it, Lord God? I pray tonight that you will work in the hearts of each and every one of us, and that whatever you have in store for us individually and collectively, we will receive it, and we will apply it in our lives. I pray that you will help me, Lord, for I need your help to rightly divide your word of truth, to speak as your oracle, to truly, Lord God, speak your word unto this congregation. We thank you and praise you for all that you're doing in this church. We thank you, Lord, for all that you have spoken already, and we look into the word of God tonight to be increased in it. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody say amen. Amen. You may be seated. Hopefully we'll have some time when we're done after this to take some questions. Still on the lesson, the lesson is entitled, We Are Apostolic Pentecostals. 
I will go through that really quickly just to kind of let you know why I say that. It's not me again. Those of you that has been around me long enough, you know, I've told you I'm not smart enough. I'm not brilliant enough to 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 be able to just to come up with stuff and tell you what I think. I can only rely on scripture. And so I'm only going to teach the word of God because that's all I can do because I don't know any other way how to give you God's truth. So we are apostolic Pentecostals. And that's what the church, every Christian is practicing or should be practicing. I am not telling you if someone calls themselves something else. I told you denomination started with man. So man started this you know, uh, Lutheran or Protestant or Catholic, man started those, 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 those denominations. And then, of course, some churches says, I got a trick for that. You want to name something a denomination? I'll just come up with the name non-denominational. So that way we would not a part of denomination. Nevertheless, we're doing all this man ingenuity. We're coming up with all of this smart thinking when all it really comes down to is just ask ourselves, what does the Bible say we are? Why are we coming up with, you know, these different titles of, of, of what we are as Christians? Just ask, look at the scripture and see what the scripture says that we are, what is our identity as Christians. For those of you that do not know, the book of Acts is the birth of the church. If you want to know when the church got started, you have to look in the book of Acts. That is what instructs us or instructs us about the birth of the church. You will read about examples of the church in the Old Testament, but the actual birth of the church took place in the book of Acts at the beginning of the chapter. So we want to know that. So if someone say, how will I know anything about the church? Well, it's written in the book of Acts. The, the, the Gospels teach you who... The almighty God is Jesus Christ to teach you who he is, the life, his life that he lived, who he is. It teaches you about those things and some other things. But the gospel is mainly about uh, the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the book of Acts tells you about the birth of the church and how the church started and how the church been moving since the church started. So that's where you find it. And if you want to know about the church, that's where you should look. In the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse number 36. So let me tell you where we are in this text. So in Acts, chapter one, chapter 2, verse number 1, uh, the scripture started talking about um, the, 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 the spirit of the Lord, about the, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And in Acts, chapter 2, number 4, chapter 2, verse number 4, uh, that's when the first time, Man, meaning humans, had received the infilling of the gift of the Holy Ghost. And so in Acts chapter 2, verse number 4, that's where it all started for the church. They were filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus told his disciples to go and wait for the infilling of the Holy Ghost in the upper room. They went to the upper room and they started praying until the Holy Ghost came and they received the infilling of the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. They have never done that before in the history of man. They had never done that till that time. So as this was happening, uh, 
there were many people because it was a festival. Uh, there were many people there and they heard people speaking with tongues, other languages, and they were like, what is going on here? And that's when Peter stood up with the 11. So it was all 12 apostles and more that Peter stood up and began to preach the first message to the church. So this is where we picked up. Peter been preaching since verse number 14 in Acts chapter 2. And so he's ministering, ministering. And so he's now at verse number 36, chapter 2. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God had made that same Jesus. Oh, I'm sorry. Acts chapter 2, verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God had made that same Jesus whom you or ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. What is important to know there? The scripture says that they crucified Jesus. The second thing it says is, you crucified the God-man. It says that you crucified Jesus, who is Lord, meaning God, and Christ, meaning Messiah, the anointed one. So that's what Peter said to them. You all have crucified almighty God who came in the flesh to save you from your sins. You crucified him. That's what Peter was saying. Now, verse 37 says, now when they heard this, talking about the people Peter was preaching to, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? That's the spirit that we need in today's age, but unfortunately we don't have that a lot. When people are told that you did something against God, Instead of we saying, oh, my goodness, I did, didn't I? I need to make that right. What do you think I should do? What does the Bible says I should do? We don't operate like that. Someone tell us that we did something against the word of God and we get mad. And I always tell you, spirit, that always tell where you are in Christ when somebody approaches you and tell you something you have done wrong. I don't care if they said it nice or they don't say it nice. Now, I'm not excusing, excusing someone for not saying it nice. My point is that I don't care if you say it nice to me or you don't say it nice to me. If you can point out to me where I have sinned against God, the main thing I need to worry about is that I have sinned against God. And I want to make it right with God. So I don't care what you tell me, how you tell it to me, as long as it's right according to God's word. And i got to get it right. So that's a, a spirit that we need to really pray and ask God to help us that we're okay when somebody tell us about something that we have done wrong and that we just own it and says, all right, I got to get it right. So they asked, what shall they do? Then Peter said unto them, repent, turn around and stop going in the direction you're going in. Repent, stop living the way you want to live and, and begin to live a new life. Repent and be baptized, submerged in water. Every one of you, not some of you, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. Again, in the name of Jesus Christ, not in the titles Father, Son, Holy Ghost, but in the name of Jesus Christ. Why should you get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ? For the remission, the removal of your sin. And there's a promise there. It says, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now. 
If you go back to Acts chapter 2, verse number 4, it talks about, and when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting, and there came cloven tongues like a fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. So, so we know if we are referring to the same Holy Ghost that was earlier in the text in Acts chapter 2, verse number 4, that they, they received the gift of the Holy Ghost and they spake with tongues, then this must be the same Holy Ghost that is being talked about here, that you can receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. All right. Verse 39. Here we go again. This is all good stuff. I don't know why we would want to go any other place in the Bible to find out what should we do to get saved. Watch this. Not only that he promised the Holy Ghost, look what else it says. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God. Where else in the scripture you read that? Where when you get saved, everybody else that's close to you will get saved. Where, did, where else? Why would we want to go any other place in Scripture to find out how to get saved when that doesn't tell you that? Just saying. And it says, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then, here we go again, then they that gladly receive his word were baptized. So those, those same people that said, they were pricked in their heart. And they said, what shall we do? They listen carefully. Because when you ask, this is why sometimes, you know, everybody does things differently. But sometimes, unless, you know, the Lord tells me otherwise, but sometimes you have to wait people out till they're ready. Because they only listen to you when they're ready to listen to you. And so when those men ask Peter, what shall we do? Peter began to minister and explain to them what they shall do. And because they were ready, here is what happened. They gladly received his word and were baptized. They were ready. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. 3,000 people got baptized that day. Hmm. Watch this now. Here comes some more good stuff. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Or did it say in Jesus' doctrine? Because here is what I'm pointing out to you. You will talk to people that I follow the instructions that the apostles gave to the church. I follow the instructions that Peter preached. And they would say, y'all crazy. How y'all following something that Peter a fallible man preached when we follow Jesus. That's been the discussion that goes on. Okay, I hear you. Now, a couple of things I will say about that. If, if, if all you're going to do is follow Jesus, then it means you're only going to read red letters in the New Testament. Just saying. Right? So if all you're going to do is follow Jesus, then all you're going to follow is the red letters, the, the scripture that's written in red letters in the New Testament, because that's Jesus speaking. Other than that, don't listen to anything else. Because you only follow Jesus. 
You see what I'm saying? So that's already your discussion with someone. Okay, if you only follow Jesus, then I need for you to realize that you just only follow the teaching that's written in red letters in the New Testament because that's Jesus was only here for a short while. Jesus, Jesus's ministry start when he was 30 years old and it end when he was 33. So all of what you're going to see in red letters is only over a three-year period, three-and-a-half-year period. So if that's what you feel strongly about, God bless you. But we'll get into this some more and let you see that it's kind of one and the same, and it's, it's a moot point. But, you know, we all have these things, these hung-ups that, you know, we have. And, you know, we, we don't like for anybody to seem like they know more than us. So sometimes we're hearing people say things, and, we're, and, and even if they're right, we have to come back with something to sound more right. I don't know if that's right. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by who? No, it was done by Jesus. Again, here we go. It's one and the same, but people want to deny that I don't have to follow the apostles. Because if, if we're teaching this and they're hearing it and it's not according to what they have been familiar with, this is uncomfortable. If this is not what they've been taught by their bishop or what the traditional belief was when they were growing up, this is uncomfortable. But my question always is this, church, when it comes down to the word of God, are we worried about being comfortable or we're worried about getting the truth? Because I'm not worried too much about being comfortable because comfortable don't get me into heaven. Truth get me into heaven. Hmm. 44, and all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they, con- and they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. Watch this. I love this. And the Lord added to the church. Again, we have to say, what happened for the Lord to add to the church? What was going on for the Lord to add to the church? We like to talk about revival, revival, revival. Well, you won't see revival if we do revival, if we do church our own way, we will not see revival. So a lot of us like to try to do things our way. We cannot do God's business our way. There are things and methods in life that we can use to do life, but we cannot do God's kingdom the way we want to because it will not produce the results that God says it will produce. So that's another issue that we have to take a look at and say, are we seeing what the book of Acts said we will see by how we are leading God's church, how we're teaching God's word? Are we seeing those kind of things happen in our church? And if we're not, then we have to reexamine and says, are we doing it like the Bible says, or we're just doing it according to how comfortable we are with it? Very important. And so the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. The other thing we noticed while we were reading through these scripture, there were signs and wonders. There were miracles 
signs and wonders, okay? So apparently, the way how things were working at that time in the church, everything was working the way it was supposed to work because we were seeing results. Go back to what I said when we started. In order for us to see results, we have to start doing something that we were told by the Word of God to do in order to see the results. And so a lot of times we're not seeing the results because we may not be doing it as the Word of God says. Or we might just not get to that point yet. We have to start applying the Word of God. We have to test it. Just like the car dealers test their cars, we got to test it. Just like every maker of every product tests their product, we have to test this thing that we call our faith. When we test it, we will see the results that God promised we will see. But if we just kind of get head knowledge and we, we become intellectual with the word of God, then we will not see the results. And it will lead us away from God. Because living for God without the results is not what God intended. And if we live for God without the results that God promised, sooner or later we're going to find ourselves in compromising situations and compromising behavior because we're not testing the word of God to see that it really works and it's true. Can you imagine if we're doing God's, you know, just following the word of God like the way he says and we're seeing the results? I know how we are as people, and when we get results, we get hyped. Oh, my God. Oh, you see what God is doing? And we get hyped, and that alone will keep us moving. It will keep us moving because we're seeing the results. So when we don't see ourselves excited, it probably just means we're not testing the word of God like we need to test it, meaning applying it, meaning doing what it says and not just listening to it preach or listening to us reading or whatever the case may be. The scriptures we just read marks the beginning of the church, hence our blueprint to follow as the church. The church has not changed. No, it hasn't. Since the inception of the church, it has not changed. Jesus Christ established the church. He is the head of the church and he doesn't change. Therefore, the church has not changed and will not change. People may change. Society may change. Technology is changing. But guess what? God will never change and his church doesn't need improving. The church don't need to be improved. The church don't need to get with it. Oh, my God. Help us, Holy Ghost. Oh, man, the church got to get with it. The times have changed. So many people have either uttered those statements or thinking those statements. Oh, the church is so far behind. They don't even do the stuff that they're supposed to do. And that's why people are leaving the church. God, help us. Help us, Lord, that we will begin to apply your word, that we will not be deceived, that we will not get frustrated and walk away thinking the church is behind the times. Oh, God, help us. The church is not behind the time. The church is just perfect. The church is right for the time that we're in, God knew what he was doing from the time he established the church and he got it right where he needs it. And the church is right where it needs to be. The church is behind the times. And so we're adding. We're adding. Help us, Holy Ghost. Help us, Lord. 
The church that began in the book of Acts must be the same church we are a part of today. It's the same church. So if we don't see the resemblance, then maybe we have started something different than what God started in the book of Acts over 2,000 years ago. So again, the church is not a building, but the church are people who are called out of the world and into the church. We are called out from among them. The Bible says, come out from among them and be separate. So God is saving us out of the world so we can be a part of his church. So we have to realize that the church is not supposed to be like the world. And to be in the church, and because the church is not functioning like the world, we're getting frustrated. No bueno. No bueno. No. We don't need to function like the world. We need to function like the church. And if we mix the world and the church, we won't get the results God said we should get. Got to be what God says. Remember what I said last week. Think about this. None of us has ever met the Lord Jesus Christ in the flesh. We were not in the church he pastored. So what would be our basis for what we believe? How can we know we're doing what the Lord Jesus had said? What he has instructed us to do. You know how? By reading and obeying what the apostles taught, who were taught by Jesus Christ, and who walked with Jesus Christ. So the bottom line is, we say apostles because we just want to make sure we are true to the scripture. But actually, the apostles are only teaching what they have learned from the Lord Jesus Christ. And what's great about it is, remember I told you, Jesus was only here for three and a half years. So he gave a limited amount of instructions to, uh, to, to, to the apostles, and it was up to them to carry out what he had said and write what he had said. So if you watch the apostles, they are teaching us what Jesus told them, what Jesus said they were supposed to teach. And on top of it, they're teaching us how we're supposed to continue in the faith. So when we say we follow the apostles, it's because there's more there to follow than if we just say we follow Jesus. But we understand that following the apostles means following Christ. The apostle Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. So they're only giving us what they know about God. They're not giving us some foreign thing or some man-made-up stuff. They're giving us what they know and were instructed by Christ. That's what they're giving us. So when we read from Matthew all the way to Revelation, these are God's people that have penned the word of God that we can have it today to be able to live by it and have truth in our lives. Somebody say amen. Watch this. What better way is there to learn and know about Jesus Christ and his church than what the apostles taught, which they learned directly and personally from Jesus Christ? Now, I shared this with you last week, and I'll share it again. In Matthew 28, 20, this is clear. Look at this. In Matthew 28, 20, red letters, red letters, red letters. You know, this is for all the people that only want to live by red letters. Red letters. Matthew 28, 20, the scripture says, this is Jesus talking, teaching them 
to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded. Okay, what, what are we going to do with that now? Jesus told the apostles to go and teach people everything I've told you. How we handle that now? We're not going to listen to the apostles? We're not going to understand it's okay to say we follow the apostolic doctrine? Because Jesus told them, and because they did it, guess what? We put the apostles' doctrine with it. Because that's who he spoke to and who wrote it, and that's what we follow today because it's what Jesus said and not just what man thought. All right. We pray, Jesus prayed that all who believe in him through the apostles' message would be united with him. So let's look at John chapter 17, verse number 18. The scripture says, Jesus talking again, red letters. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. Talking about the apostles. Jesus says, as I went into the world, I've also sent the apostles into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone. I'm not just praying for the apostles. But for them also which shall believe on me through the apostles' word. That's what it means, right? It says through their word. So we're going to believe Christ because we're believing what the apostles have spoken and are, have written about Christ to the church. The early believers fulfilled his plan by continuing steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and accepting their teaching as authority, as the authority. We are apostolic Pentecostals because we had the Pentecostal experience. What is the Pentecostal experience? The Pentecostal experience is the infilling of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. Let me stop here and just say this. There are some people or some congregations, let me say it that way, there are some congregations that say we are Pentecostals, but they don't follow all of the apostles' doctrine. Because, you want to hear something? You want to hear a secret? <laughs> the Lord says he would pour out his spirit upon all flesh. So he, he's not a respecter of who he was going to pour his spirit out on. And so anybody can just walk and call off the street, lift their hands and call on the name of the Lord, receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. They've had the Pentecostal experience. They've had the Pentecostal experience. So saying, I, saying I'm Pentecostal is good, but you need to be more than Pentecostal. You follow where I'm going now? You can be Pentecostal and still not know there's one God. You can be Pentecostal and still not know about holiness. You can be Pentecostal and still not know the baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. So you can have the Pentecostal experience, but you're still missing the foundational doctrinal teaching that helps you to be saved and live a saved life. So everybody that says they're Pentecostal eh, don't really mean that they are Apostolic Pentecostals. It means they've had the Pentecostal experience. Hmm. Got quiet on that one. <laughs> so some people have had the Pentecostal experience by 
receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The Bible tells us that that's, we should have that, right? Okay. We were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, immersed in water with the name of Jesus Christ being invoked over us, and we are following the teachings of the apostles, which are the teaching of Jesus Christ who instructed the apostles. Jesus instructed the apostles, and they went and taught, and we're following it. For us to be a part of his church, we must have the Pentecostal experience, and we must follow the teachings of the apostles. Watch this. Jude. Jude only have one chapter. So Jude chapter 1, verse number 17. But, beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of who? Let's read it again. But, beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me mess with y'all a little bit. I need, we need to take a break. You know, I need to do, you know, watching TV every 20 minutes commercial. Let me take a break. When I was in church, yes, you're not me, and I'm not comparing um, you to me. But what I do know about church Either I'm standing or I'm barely sitting when I'm interested. Oh, come on now. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. When I get back up like this, can't wait to get back up again. Nowadays, y'all might as well bring y'all pillow to church. I don't know what happened. But you know what? I know how we operated back then was right. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not giving in to the, 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 the culture shift. I'm not. I'm not. Jesus, you just let me do what you want me to do. And when you're done with me, you can do whatever you want with me, Lord. But I'm not giving in to the culture shift. And I'm only saying that because here is, here's some facts. Facts, Ethan. Y'all like to say facts. Here's some facts. Back then when we sat on the edge of our chair like that and we were all in, people demonstrated the word of God in their life more. We're sitting back chilling now, and we're just not demonstrating through our behavior how we live for God now. So something has changed. And so we can justify it and make it sound good like, well, Pastor, you know, it's just a different time. I hear you. Well, let's see some different results or see the same results like back then. So either we see the same results like back then, or all of us need to say, I got to shift something. We got to shift something. If we're not seeing what we read in the book of Acts, we should really take it personal. I know I do anyway. I take it personal. I've been kind of whining to the Lord, sorry, Lord, about um, Sister Scarlett texted me the other day and said, since we've been in here since March 12th, we've had 20 people baptized in Jesus' name. But we have had not one that I know about anyway. That's been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost with evidence of speaking with other tongues. I'm whining about that to the Lord. Because we're supposed to be the book of Acts church. And we're supposed to see all of the things that we saw in the book of Acts. And so for me, it ain't got nothing to do with being the pastor. It has to do with, I believe this and I want to see everything about this unfold because I believe this is true. 
And so that's how I want to live it. Second Timothy says this in Second Timothy 3 and 15. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Watch this. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And so scripture is doctrine, is the word of God, is the teachings of Jesus Christ. And it's given to us for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, and for salvation, and to make us wise, and help us to increase in our faith. Doctrine simply means the teaching of God's word. In our day, most people do not want to hear sound doctrine. They only want preachers who will make them feel good. In 2 Timothy 4 and 3, it says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth. And shall be turned unto fables. You know what fables mean? Myth or tales. And so many people in the church today, they want the preacher to not preach sound doctrine. They want the preacher to preach some kind of message that makes them feel good. Will some of the word make you feel good sometimes? Yes, it will. But there is going to be some preaching that will not sit well with you because it's the word of God. It's not our word. And it's going to rub us the wrong way, which is supposed to make us go in the right way. And so we have to realize that we can't come to church to hear what we like to hear. Here's the deal. If we knew everything was right, then why would we even bother coming to church? If we got it all figured out. Why even go to church? No need. But we come to church because we believe the Lord, our creator, can help us. And we believe his his process is he will use his servant to minister his word to us. And we, if we will obey it, then we will see the transformation of our life. Because God's word is transformational. God's word is the authority. And if we obey it, we will see the results from it. That's why we come to church. Because hmm, that might not be what everybody come to church for. So here's the other thing that we need to understand about our life. Let me just take another um, break and say this. All right, it's 831. Y'all worried about it a little bit. Let me just take another break and say this about... Um, No matter what you're doing in life, no matter where you are in life, no matter what you're pursuing in life, the easiest way to get at it and be successful is through Christ. I just need to let you know that. 
Because as I've said before, somehow we believe in some things we have to put Christ on the side so we can do this. And then once I get this done, then I'll bring God back into it. That's not how it works, church. That's not how it works. As a matter of fact, I'll go ahead and tell you this. Some of us who put Christ on the side and pursued what we wanted to, and we got there. When you got there, just where you left Christ, you're going to have to go backwards to go get him. So you might have got your degree, but if you had left God on the side to get it, you got to go backwards. You might have got uh, um, your business up and running, but just where you left him, you got to go backwards to go back and go catch up with where you left off from. But if you want to thrive and, and, and have Christ in your life and, and live a victorious Christian life and, and your business pop and your education feel easier and all that, he has to be at the center of your life. You can't leave him out of anything. We can't try to leave God out because, okay, this is education. Okay, this is business. Okay, this is, you know, something else. So we'll just, no, no. God has to be at the center of our life in everything that we do, and we will flourish. Best way to accomplish everything that you want. For some of you, you already started. Sister Gabby told me she was under a whole lot of pressure uh, the, 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 um, for finals, and guess what she had to do? Guess who she had to call on? Okay. 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 Had to call on him. Sister Scarlett had to call on him. So, but you can't call on him if you had him on the side. If he was on the side while you're trying to get your degree, and now you've got to do your finals, and it's tough. No, no. Nevertheless, we must love, cherish, and obey the word of God, merely knowing and mentally accepting the truth is not enough. In order to escape delusion and condemnation, we must have a love for the truth. Tell me truth. It's going to hurt, but tell me truth. Paul, therefore, admonished ministers, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. By becoming established in doctrinal truth, we fulfill the scripture or the scriptural admonition to be studious, diligent worker, workers approved of God, who are not ashamed, but who rightly divide, correctly handle the word of God, the word of truth, to use scripture profitably, profitably for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness, to be strong in our belief, rather than to be tossed about by every wind of doctrine and to give answers to everyone who acts about our faith. And so I finish up here. It is not sensible to believe some of the word of God. It is not sensible to believe some of the word of God. (laughs) Many people believe some of the word of God. Now, why that's not sensible is God says he's all-knowing. So why would we only want to believe some of his word when he's all-knowing? So all of it we need to agree with, to believe and apply to our life, not some of it. 
But I have to challenge you again and say this again. I got to repeat this. What we need to do, church, is start applying, start testing the word of God and stop intellectually dissecting the word of God or neglecting the word of God. Salvation is not everything God has promised us. It's just not. And some of us haven't gone the full length of salvation anyway as far as what salvation requires. Some of us were baptized in Jesus' name, but we weren't filled with the Spirit. Some may have been filled with the Spirit, wasn't baptized in Jesus' name. Some of us still aren't applying some of the truth. Like, for instance, some of us don't believe uh, and, and practice holiness. We don't practice it. When I, I, I have it in the Scripture where it says that, this is, this is probably the best one about holiness. So the best one about holiness, what does it say? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. We don't want to mess with that, huh? That scripture alone, forget about what the preacher says. You read that and you're supposed to say, oh, 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 you know one of those things? Oh, 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 Jesus. What do you mean by no man should see the Lord if they're not holy? I need to know about that. Because if he's telling us we're not going to see him if we're not holy, I need to know about that. What does that mean? Because that sounds scary. All right, so let me finish here. And if you have any questions, we'll take it. So after we get, after we understand salvation message and we start applying it, living it, living it and we complete the process of salvation and now we go on to more doctrine one of the doctrine that we need to know is the doctrine of god if you've been in this church for any amount of time you should know that the doctrine of god that god is one he's not three co-equal separate god he's one god he's not two and three god he's one god in in deuteronomy 6 verse 4 says hero israel the lord our god is one lord He's not two, he's not three, okay? The other thing we need to know about him is that the one God became man. His name is Jesus Christ. That's apostolic. And that's what I mean by some people can have the Pentecostal experience but not know more truth because they weren't following the teachings of the apostles, which the word of God tells us God is one. Old Testament and the apostles preached it that God is one. And then we must know that Jesus Christ is that one God. We read it in Acts chapter 2, verse 36. Then the other thing we need to know, obviously, is the doctrine of salvation, that we must repent of our sins, baptize in Jesus' name, filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, evidence of speaking with other tongues. And then the doctrine of holiness and Christian living. We must separate ourselves from sin and worldly values and dedicate ourselves to God and his will. The new life of holiness will transform us both inwardly and outwardly. If we're holy, well, let's start with this. If we have the Holy Ghost, we have the potential to be holy. If we have the Holy Ghost, we have the potential to be holy. And then if we allow the Holy Ghost to work in our life, He starts on the inside, and we get holy on the inside, meaning we don't want to say certain things we used to say. 
We don't want to look at certain things we used to look at. We don't want to engage in certain conversations we used to engage in. We just feel uncomfortable now with some of the things we used to do. That's when God starts working on the inside. You don't mess with certain things anymore from the inside. And then after, you know, you embrace that, then you start seeing that, oh, man, I just need to, you know, cover myself up. And, and, and I don't need to expose myself. And I need to carry myself in a modest way of presenting myself. And, 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 and that's just how it goes if we have the Holy Spirit in us and we allow him to clean us up from the inside to the outside. That's what will happen. Quiet. Hallelujah. I know y'all want to preach that comes up all the time. and Preach good, nice. That gets you up and feeling good. Can I tell you this? We normally learn how to be better and learn lessons from hard things in life, not from easy things. I I, I hate to tell you that, but that's just the truth. You study that. We normally get better in life and learn things and apply them to our life from hard situations in our life, not from things... Um, that 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 we hear all the time that sounds good things you hear that sounds good that just it just make you feel good for the moment but it's the hard things that you go through so many people you know you challenge your kids because they are taking things for granted because you know you didn't live like that you didn't have that Right. And so you challenge your kids to stop taking life for granted because, you know, but guess what? You know why you're telling them that? Because you learned that lesson because it was hard. If it was easy, you wouldn't be telling your children anything different. You just let them do whatever they want. But it wasn't easy. So we learn from the challenges of life, not the easy things of life. So, you know, if you want to feel like, man, preacher, you need to tell us more nice stuff. Just trying to help you the best way I can, the best way I know how. Also in the Bible, the doctrine of eternal judgment, the Lord is coming back for his people with eternal punishment for the unrighteous and eternal reward for the righteous. And so we have that in scriptures. So the best thing I can tell you is what I start with. How can we know that what we're doing is true? By reading, well, first thing is we just have to have faith. And faith meaning we have the knowledge of God. And because we get an understanding, a knowledge of understanding of God, we begin to apply it. And every time we apply it, it worked. I never forgot my oldest child told me um, when he had his experience. Because, you know, um, when, when, when I was growing up, you know, we, we, you know, we lived in certain places. And, you know, I wasn't saving people, no. And I remember one time Nasir told me he was around the way. And some people said, I heard your dad in church now, and you going to church with your dad, and what's going on with that? And he was like, yeah, man, I go to church. It's real. And they were like, well, how you know God's real? And Nasir told him at the time, I know God's real because he filled me with the Holy Ghost, and I spoke with tongues. Now, he was, I don't know, he was nine years old when he said that. The point is, when you try, when you test the word, you get to experience what the word says, and that's how you know it's truth. We hear truth talked about in scripture, but if we never try it, it's not our truth. It's the truth in the Bible. 
So do you want truth to be the truth in the Bible or you want truth to be a part of who you are? Because the only way truth become a part of you is when you test truth and you try truth for yourself and you see the same results that God promised. That's how you know truth. That's why I'm standing before you today because I tried it myself. And every time I tried it, I got the results that it said. And so I'm thanking God today for his truth. And I'm going to continue thanking for his truth because the bottom line is without truth, we will not be free. We can't know truth until we test truth for ourselves. We can learn about truth, but until you do what truth says you need to do, you won't really actually get to experience truth. Let's stand. Any questions about anything we talked about last week? This week, or any questions about what we are talking about here, just so you can get a clear understanding. Don't not ask the question because you weren't about somebody else saying you don't know that. You know, I got to I got to say everything because I'm among people all the time, and 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 I can just sense in the spirit what's going on. And so sometimes I bring things out to help you not to. You know, allow situations to get you all bound up. Is there anyone that have any questions about anything about what we're talking about? Any question? Pastor, I have a quick question. Yes, sir. Have we done a good job of being salt and or are we better at being pepper? If it makes sense, I'll, I'll, so I can elaborate well, more. But how do you feel about that? Well, that's not that, that's not really biblical. The first part was biblical, right? Have we done a good job being salt? That's what we got to stop there. We can't say or be pepper because that's not in the Bible. <laughs> I know what you're trying to get at. I know what you're trying to get at, but you got to be careful when you're teaching. Uh, you want to just stick with just the word because, you know, you start going a little differently. You're trying to make a good point, but people start veering off and, you know, they start thinking that you're putting your own belief. No, we need to do a, a, a better job being salt. But again, it still comes back to we can't be anything that we haven't proven to ourselves. So that's really what I'm saying here tonight, that I've taught you what the word of God says about who we are as Christians and how we arrived at where we are today. But at the end of it, I am trying to get across to us that the main point of this is not just to read and have intellectual understanding, but we have to start testing this by doing it. And when we do it, we will see the results of it. And that's how you will know what this is all about. A lot of us don't know what this is about because we haven't tested it. And where we are, we are, I don't know if we're comfortable or, or we're, we're not pushing ourselves enough. And what you got to realize is, you don't know enough to think you know enough. You understand that? We don't know enough to think we don't know enough, to think, to think we know enough. Because I am never going to stand before you and think I'm okay. I'm still crying. God, am I getting this right? God, why is this not working? What am I not doing? I'm doing that every day. What's wrong here, God? Why can't I just see this differently? Why am I not experiencing this, Lord? I, every day I'm still going at it like that. 
I'm not changing that because I, I don't know enough to think I know. What do I know? I've never gone to heaven. So I got to do everything that I can to work my way to, to learning the word. I can't work it and earn it, but just doing everything that I can to obey God's word because I don't know any other way. Jesus is the only one that's in heaven, and I, don't, I can't ask anybody else how to get there. Can't ask the angels. Jesus is the only one that's there. Angels are, you know, around the throne, but the bottom line is he's the only one that's there. And so he's the only one that can tell us how to get there. Nobody else can tell you how to get there. And whatever the apostles are speaking to us, they're speaking it because they received either revelation or instructions from the Lord Jesus Christ. And they wrote this in this book to tell us how to get there. And it came from Jesus Christ. So we, we got we to gotta, we gotta do everything that we can. We can't take anything for granted. And we got to test all this stuff. Man. We got to test it. We gotta, I don't care how long you've been living for God. Test it. There's more that you, you haven't tried yet. Some of us have never fasted seven days. Try it. Uh-oh, my bad. Pastor, you crazy. Seven days. I haven't even tried fasting two days yet. <laughs> it's okay. When I got to church, I never fasted. What do I know about fast? But I can talk about some of the things I'm talking about because I tested it. And I said, ooh. And I learned about fasting what the Lord wanted us to know about fasting. I wish I could fast all the time. Meaning, just live a life of fast. You ever been on a long fast and you feel like, man, I feel like a superhuman. But you can't stay on the fast. <laughs> it's just like, I got to get up fast before I die. <laughs> but the feeling you have, you try fasting past three days. No food, nothing. Fast past three days. And man, you'll feel like you can call Lazarus out of the grave. I'm serious. You walk, you know how they said in, the, in Acts, you can walk past somebody and your shadow will heal them when you have to, you fast after three days. That's how you feel. You wave the handkerchief and they get healed. I understand it. I might not have done it, but what I read in the book of Acts where, where, where Paul and Peter and them did all that, I understand it. I understand it. I realize that we might just be caught up in our Western culture and we can't give ourselves to this like, not can't, we won't give ourselves to this like we need to, but if we will, we'll see some stuff. All right, just one question. If you have question afterwards, maybe you don't want to come up, you don't want to get on the mic, uh, but uh, after, the, after we dismiss here, we, we, can, we can still do questions. If you have building fund, give to the building fund. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We thank you tonight for just allowing us to be in your house one more time and for speaking your truth, for you are the way, the truth, and the life. We thank you for truth. Lord, will you move on our hearts that we will love truth, that, Lord, we will not resist or reject or neglect truth, but we will embrace truth, live for truth, and stand on truth, Lord God. I pray that we will grow from what we have heard here tonight, Lord God, and that we will not allow this word to escape us. The devil is as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's coming after our soul, Lord God. And the only way we will be able to stand against the wile of the devil is, Lord, when we take on the shield of faith, almighty God. And I pray tonight that we will stand in our faith and we will put on the belt of truth, Lord God, and that no matter what the devil bring, we will be established so firmly in the word of God that he will not be able to get us off our 
base. Lord, I pray tonight that your will will be done in us and that we will grow up from this, Lord, and that we will be able to go and minister your truth. Go and be, oh God, a preacher of the gospel to many, Lord, that we can rightly divide the word of truth, Lord God. A workman need not to be ashamed, but we can do the will of God by speaking your truth, teaching your truth, living your truth. Lord, have your way in us individually and collectively. We want your will to be done and not our will, Lord. Have your way in this church, Lord God, that we will grow up in the gospel and be more mature. We ask you these things in the wonderful name of Jesus as we go from this place. Keep us and protect us till we come back together again in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great rest of your evening.